This episode is brought to you by Performance Lab, the creators of the Focus Planner, which is the first diary I've ever used that condenses gratitude, daily tasks, time blocking, and grounding prompts all into a two-page format that takes me literally no longer than five minutes a day to fill out. Hit the link in the show notes to see what I'm talking about, and you can use the code BALANCE at checkout. Now let's dive into today's episode. Rejection is so normal, right? We all got rejected. We will all get rejected. It is completely normal part of life. And it's what we make it mean about us that really matters. Because I could be, I could get rejected from something and I can make it mean, man, I'm not lovable. Or I'm not going to ever be in a happy relationship. Or I will never be successful. I could make that rejection mean this about me. Or I can view it for what it really is, which is an alignment from an alignment perspective. It could be as simple as, well, me and that thing in relation to one another, we're not in alignment. So the pieces are not clicking, so it's not going to work now. And just because it's not working now doesn't mean it will never work. Maybe it will work eventually. It's just right now, it's not aligned. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. Alrighty, Balancers, today's guest is a certified self-empowerment coach on a mission to support individuals in showing up unapologetically and having more fulfilling relationships. She uses mindset and embodiment work and represents what I would call all things self-love. I instantly connected with her mission when I came across it online. So I'm really excited to have Nora on the show today. Nora, a warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. Hi, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Likewise. Now, why don't you tell the listeners where you're streaming in the world from? So I am streaming from Illinois. It's where Chicago is, if you don't know what Illinois is. Um, Yeah. Beautiful. And um, I know I've given away a little bit in the intro, uh, I guess, a little bit about what you do. But for people who don't actually know what a certified self-empowerment coach is all about, can you give us the highlights reel of the work you do? What does that involve? Yes. So what I do is I support people in healing their relationships with themselves. I believe that what we think about ourselves affects how we lead ourselves in every area of our lives. So I love to support people in fully embodying who they are, fully showing up to the world as they are and and unapologetically. So that means to say yes to the things that you actually want to say yes to and not feel obligated to say no to what is not in alignment and to become comfortable with setting the boundaries that honor your needs and your desires. And I feel like once we start showing up in that way, our relationships just start becoming more fulfilling as a result. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. So many things I want to pull apart in and amongst that, but I want to kind of take it back to how you actually fell into this line of work. I know that you started in a, in a place or let's say a career that was a bit more of like a safe, successful option. And then you kind of had this calling and pivoted into doing the soul work or your mission that you're doing now day to day. So can you tell me a little bit about that transition and and what was it like being in that safe space and what actually prompted you to make the change? 
it's a long story so I'm gonna try to make it short but I feel like it started since I was really young like I've always been into self-development psychology I always felt called to learn more about that kind of work but I always viewed it as a hobby and then fast forward when I was in high school time to apply for colleges I had no idea what I wanted to do and I was just asking everybody like hey what are you doing and then they would be like okay I'm going for engineering most of them are engineers I'm like okay I'll do that too so not the best way to go about deciding what you're going to do for the rest of your life, but I had no and idea. Career to just, um, big career to just apply for casually. <laughs> yes, yes. I wish I knew that. Um, so anyway, I uh, we moved here. For those of you who don't know, I'm originally from Egypt. So my family and I moved here right after I graduated college. I mean, right after I graduated high school to go for a school here. So I remember I was speaking with a counselor and I was like, I'm leaning towards engineering, but I'm kind of feeling therapy too, because I know I like these things. And she told me, you know, therapy is bachelor's, then master's. Engineering is just four years. So in my 16-year-old mind, therapy was definitely a hell no. I was not about to be in school for that many years, and it was engineering. Fast forward, I graduated, started working in the field. Within the first few months, I knew there was no way I could do this. Like, it was so draining, unfulfilling, and it's nothing bad about that line of work. It's just it's not in alignment with who I am. So it wasn't for me. And so, how was that moment for you when you acknowledged, like you, you kind of, you know, you studied, you, you picked that option because you, you didn't have mm-hmm. to do like more years at uni. What was that moment like for you? And I only ask because I did five years of law school, also went into a legal career, um, still kind of working in and out of it, but I know it's not what I want to do long-term. And I, mm-hmm. if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, well, haven't you just wasted all your time going to uni and and kind of knowing the work I had to do to get comfortable with the fact that, you know, what I learned is transferable and nothing was a waste of time. I'm just curious, how did you actually go about accepting that moment and then actually using that to make change because it's actually really hard like it's not as simple Mm -hmm. as oh well I don't want to do this career I'm just going to go follow this this new path you know no I am so so glad you brought this up because I felt so lost and I felt like okay like I started freak out mode like okay what do I do now like do I go back to school I don't want to go back to school what do I do am I stuck here and I hate the feeling of feeling stuck like it feels suffocating to me So I was so lost. And what's so funny is I started thinking about going back to school for therapy just because I knew that's what I liked. But then that same week, and this is the funny story, I was on Facebook and I was just scrolling and I saw a post in a Facebook group and this lady was Egyptian. She was also an electrical engineer and she changed careers and she became a life coach in Canada. So there were so many similarities not to notice that, okay, we have so much in common, but I had no idea what a life coach was. I'm like, what the hell is a life coach? So I went on Google like you do, and I'm like, life coach, what is it? And one of the first things that popped up was Gabby Bernstein's website. And I, there was an option to book a call with one of her coaches that she trained, I think. And I booked my call and I got to experience what coaching was for myself. And it was extremely valuable. That year, I enrolled in IPAC, which is a coaching school. And this entire time, I'm keeping my nine to five, right? Because obviously, I'm, it's so scary to just quit. So I'm keeping my nine to five. I'm doing my coaching on the side. And I realized that I'm starting to feel really comfortable now in my nine to five because I've been doing it for some time. It's starting to become my safety, my security, my stability. 
coaching now is becoming scary, right? Because it's new. I have no idea how to do that. Um, how do I even start a coaching business? So I found myself procrastinating a lot because I was so scared of just jumping ship. And the idea of, you know, one day I'll do coaching. Let me keep going. Anyway, so come the more that I procrastinated, the more my job became uncomfortable. I started getting really stressed out, overworked, and reached up to December of last year, I became extremely burnt out that I felt like I could not go another day at this job. It had become so uncomfortable that I can't stay here anymore. So December of last year, I made a plan of how I'm going to start leaving this job, opening doors to my coaching officially. February of this year, I quit my job and officially opened doors to my coaching business. Well, congratulations, because I know, you know, I mean, would you listen and hear and think of a couple months transition, but I know how much in your mindset it takes to leave an industry and completely put yourself into something else, especially when that means a pay cut, when that means reforming your identity, kind of reshaping everything you thought about your existence, your purpose, all these things. But um, I'm really grateful you did. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't I would never have come across your page. So all good things. And um, yes. you, did, you said one thing, which is an experience I've felt only this year, and that's the experience of feeling lost. Now, for me, it was like, you know, go to school, go to uni, get a job. That trajectory was quite clear. But the move to Dubai for my fiance and I was to really pursue our passions and find ourselves. And in theory, that sounded great. And then we got here and I was like, oh, my God, like I feel so lost. And it was so, so uncomfortable. And so I'm just curious in, in your, I guess, this last year working with people and, and working as a coach, have you coached people through the feelings of being lost? Now, that might be they feel a bit disconnected in what it is they're doing or they have a calling to something else, but it's very uncomfortable and they just can't even see the bridge to get there. And what tips do you kind of have for people to just start making sense of that lostness because it can bring with it so much uncertainty, which can be a really, really unsettling feeling. Yeah, so feeling lost did come up and it came up with someone who is actually also going through the same thing I went through. They have a nine to five and they feel called to coaching and they want to move from that to coaching. And it is also that it's all, it's all about that feeling of I'm leaving my security, I'm leaving my stability, I'm leaving what I know to pursue something that is totally new. And the thing is now I know that I didn't know it when I was going through it either. But now I know that our ego loves what's comfortable, what's familiar, what's safe. So the second we're about to do anything that we have never done before, we start getting scared because it's not familiar. So our ego views that as a threat to our safety and our security. And I feel like when we are in that situation, it's so important to treat ourselves compassionately, to understand where are we right now? What are our thoughts? What are our fears? Acknowledge them. And to realize that it's not really about letting go of that fear to move forward, but it is to feel the fear and to keep moving anyway, because fear is so normal and it's a part of the process. And to take the action that is aligned with your authentic desire, regardless of how small that action is. Because when you take that action, you start to build confidence within yourself. Okay, it's not that bad. I could do this one step at a time. You look back and you're like, wow, I've come a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad you brought up that fear because I think sometimes people think, well, once you're confident, you don't feel that fear. But in my opinion and my personal experience, 
every time you try something new, you're faced with that fear. And and for me, it's been a process of reframing. So rather than almost expecting like every time I do something, it's going to go away, I now expect the fear. But to me, it's a sign to say, hey, you haven't done this before. Of course, Mm -hmm. it's going to feel uncomfortable. Of course, it's going to feel unfamiliar. And just by simply reframing that, it it doesn't make the fear any more comfortable, but it just helps from a mindset point of view to kind of accept it and and let it exist in your life rather than resist it. But you did bring up um, the ego, which is something I, I wanted to dive in and speak to you about. How can the listeners identify if it is their ego holding them back? Like, are there any sort of distinctions between when it's ego versus something else? Or are there clear, like, signs that it's, like, straight up your ego talking or controlling your emotions or actions in a situation? I want to, like, kind of identify what the ego is to those who might not know, you know, or listening. So our ego is our sense of self, right? It is who we think we are. So our ego is the lens through which we see the world in relation to ourselves and other people. And it's also the aspect of us that separates us from everything else around us. But what formulates our ego is every life experience we've had and every observation we've had. That formulates our ego. So our ego could serve us and it could also hold us back. And the funny thing is it holds us back when it's trying to protect us. And it tries to protect us when it views something as a perceived threat to its ex- to its existence, to the ego. So the best way to identify this is For instance, I could be someone who is worried about how other people view me, right? Because if they don't accept me, if they reject me, I might make that mean something about me. And my ego views that as a threat to its sense of self, right? So I could find myself people pleasing or doing things that are out of alignment just to protect myself from other people's judgment. So I would say the best thing to, way to identify if it is your ego that is holding you back or not is to go back to the why behind why I'm doing this. Why am I taking that action? Why am I being too nice? Is it because I genuinely am nice and I'm expecting nothing in return? Or is it because I really want them to like me? Once we identify the why, it lets you know what beliefs you have. And if we are operating from a place of fear of you know what, I'm scared they're not going to like me. I'm scared I'm not good enough for the job. Uh, I don't know how they're going to see me. And I'm doing these actions for them to like me or accept me that I know is coming from a place of fear. Versus if I'm doing what I'm doing because, you know what, I love people and I love to help. So I want to do this for you. Or I feel so called to this job, so I'm going to go for it. Even if they reject me, so what? I'm going for it. That's when you know your ego is not holding you back. So it's identifying that there is a fear behind it. And the easiest way to identify that is your thoughts, because your thoughts tell you what beliefs you have, and your beliefs are the driver. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Seed of how you operate and how you lead yourself. Absolutely. Very, very well and coherently explained for everybody listening. I like that you've brought up and reminded everyone as well that the ego is not always a bad thing. I think when it's spoken about a lot, 
Um, without context, it's kind of always seen as this demon, this controlling thing. But biologically, it has a protective mechanism and it has its role and its place. So I, I'm glad that you've brought that up. Now, for everybody listening, right, if they're in that position where they're trying to work out if they're coming from ego and they drill down and they drill down and they get to that core, that belief, and they can identify, okay, yeah, that's my ego because it's coming from a limiting belief or, you know, any of any self-doubt, things like that, that underpin, I guess, the ego kicking into response, kicking into protective and overdrive. Mm-hmm. Where to from there? How do we go about working through the ego and saying, hey, this actually isn't a threat and this is something we want to do? How do we, I mean, I'm, I know there's only so much you can share within the scope of this podcast. And of course, that's why there are professionals like yourself that do the work you do. But just on like a high level, what's the process of undoing that or breaking through that? I feel like that's such a great question. Thank you for asking that. I would say the first thing is after identifying it is challenging it. Like, where did that come from? Why do I believe that? And most likely, like on a deeper level, we have experienced or observed something that made us feel like whatever it is we're scared of is not safe. So our ego is trying to protect us from it. So just knowing that, knowing that you created that fear within yourself, which means you can also break that fear. So you challenge it. Like, where did it come from? And then to try to show yourself evidence of how this belief that you have is not true. So for instance, if someone is has fear of success for whatever reason, you could see that there are people who are happy and are successful and keep seeing proof of that. If someone is um, afraid of failure, knowing that failure is only a stepping stone, stone towards success, like we've seen Oprah and J.K. Rowling, I'm sure they've all got rejected billions of times, and then they might have perceived it as, as failure, but they kept going and they made it. So there is proof everywhere that our fear is not true because it's a fear that we made up. Someone else does not have that fear. So to challenge it, find proof everywhere around you that contradicts that belief and to intentionally. So because all these things were taught or were formulated at such a young age, it might be it might need some effort to change that belief. So to intentionally start challenging the belief, start taking action that contradicts what you would usually do as a result of that belief and do the complete opposite because now you're unlearning whatever it is that you believed and you're starting to learn new beliefs. And the more that you that you operate from that new belief, the more that it becomes familiar, the more that it becomes your second state of being. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad you sort of expanded on that and give us the, gave us the impression that it's like an ongoing process because I feel like I've had an experience in the past and even more recently where I've had a belief that I've challenged and I have worked, you know, worked out the source of it, where it's come from. I've acknowledged it. I've taken action to prove to myself that it's not the case. But sometimes it, you can feel quite stuck in a bit of a loop and of being there. And so is there anything additional you would say to anyone that feels like they've sort of tried the things you've said? Is it more a question of time? You kind of got to give it time and keep going. Or are there things that you can do in addition when it is something that's really, really deep rooted? Definitely time is a given with that because it's something that's so, it's formulated when we're so young. So, so to get rid of something that is now a part of who we are, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. And there are so many tools to use to kind of make that process a little bit faster of formulating the new belief. You could do something like affirmations to keep telling yourself, no, I, like let's say I'm really anxious about something. I could tell myself, 
I am excited. I'm excited to do this. I mean, they're both on the same emotional frequency to reframe things, affirmations, hypnosis, uh, emotional freedom tapping, embodiment, using your body to feel safe and to feel comfortable in that thing that you desire or in having what you desire. Because a lot of times we might want things and we don't believe it. Like we don't believe I can be successful because I'm scared of success. But when I get comfortable and I feel safe in my body, not no, success feels safe, success is fun. And I start getting Make, training my body to feel safe in success, it doesn't, you don't have that much of a resistance toward, towards success anymore. It starts feeling comfortable. And then yeah. you could take the action needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good point too, because for anybody who has set themselves goals, is potentially manifesting, if you do have these beliefs, they do act as barriers because it's almost like, you want something consciously, subconsciously, you don't think you can get it. And it's almost like you're self-sabotaging yourself without knowing it. So I think really like the, in my, in my like practical mind, the action step of getting your body and mind in a place where it's safe and comfortable first, whether that's through, you know, meditation or any of the other tools you mentioned before you go and start projecting or working or manifesting, I think is a really nice way to, um, to get to the core and, and get more comfortable in who you are. On the note of tools and techniques, for you personally, I know these tools and techniques vary even from client to client that you see, but I just want to know for you personally, when you're having days where you're feeling a bit off, a bit out of whack, a bit out of balance, a bit you know, misaligned with yourself, what are your go-tos for finding that realignment, for just really mm-hmm. grounding yourself? What works best for you? I'll say the first thing is I just sit with myself and I, I say like, okay, how are, how are we feeling today? And I literally talk to so myself. This is like, like an internal, yeah. Like you're literally internalizing yeah, your head or you're journaling. Or- I, I, it depends on the day. Like some days if I'm even home alone, I would just talk out loud and like talk, speak to myself out loud. I'm like, Hey, how are we feeling today? And then I get so clear about how it, what it is that I'm feeling. And if it's coming from something or if it's just a random mood swing, And then I found that it's so helpful for me personally to move my body. And when I say move my body, it could be as simple as a stretch, a 10-minute yoga video on YouTube. And once I get in my body, my focus is now on my body, on my breath, on my movement. So I feel like that kind of gets me out of my head a little bit and to move into the body. So it makes me feel better. And then once I'm in that space, I can meditate. Meditation has worked for me. Breath work, journaling, and just doing like a mind dump. It is different every day, but it's a matter of figuring out, okay, like what do I feel like I need right now? And if you don't know what you need, then try any of those tools, like moving your body or meditation or Mm. mind dumping on journaling. Perfect. And I always say to the listeners as well, it's not about having like one or two tools that it's like they're your go-tos. It's more about knowing the spectrum of things that work because on different days you may need different things. Like sometimes you're so agitated and filled with emotion that meditating is not going to work, like no matter Mm -hmm. how much you try it. So putting all that pressure on one tool to work is not always the best idea. So I love kind of that you've suggested a range of things. Um, And I'm always curious to just hear what people's personal preferences are. Uh, One thing I came across on your Instagram or your website, I can't remember which one it was, you were speaking about, and I always love a good reframe when we're getting ourselves Mm -hmm. like to, to change perspective on something, this idea of rejection. So for everybody listening, I just want you to have a rejection experience in mind so that you can get the most out of the next bit of the conversation. So whether that be a rejection in a professional capacity, uh, a rejection in a romantic or friendship capacity, right? 
You speak about it as reframing it less of a rejection and more as misalignment. Can you talk to me a little bit about this point? Because I I think it has some really powerful insight to offer to arm people with a little bit more confidence to move on from situations like this rather than internalize and and feel Mm -hmm. ashamed of themselves. Yeah. So I feel like rejection is so normal, right? We all got rejected. We will all get rejected. It is completely normal part of life. And it's what we make it mean about us that really matters. Because I could be, I could get rejected from something and I can make it mean, man, I'm not lovable, or I'm not going to ever be in a happy relationship, or I will never be successful. I could make that rejection mean this about me, or I can view it for what it really is, which is an alignment from an alignment perspective. It could be as simple as, well, me and that thing in relation to one another, we're not in alignment. So the pieces are not clicking. So it's not going to work now. And just because it's not working now doesn't mean it will never work. Maybe it will work eventually. It's just right now it's not aligned. And I like to think of it as a lock and a key. I mean, yeah, a lock and a key. (laughs) So I could try to unlock one door with another door's key and it will never unlock. There is nothing wrong with the door and there is nothing wrong with the key. We're just using another door's key. So if I use the same key on the door, it's meant to unlock, it will unlock. And that's, they're in alignment versus the Mm -hmm. other two were not in alignment. So it's not personal it it really is just a matter of alignment I think that's really really powerful because if and I love that lock and key analogy because if you really harness that in a moment of rejection it's really powerful because you're like oh I just got the wrong door but it gives you that perspective that there is another door rather than Mm -hmm. like you said before like internalizing and making it about you and 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 viewing it from that lens Um, I think that is so powerful and I really don't have anything to add because I think that was just very very well put and a really powerful uh, perspective shift for everybody listening who may be going through a rejection at the moment or just one to keep in the back pocket for any future situation where you may need it. I would love to end on a common situation a lot of people find themselves in, and that's just in general negative energy, whether it's from circumstances, situations, places, or other people. Now, I don't know if I'm an empath, but I feel like I take on people's energy. And I definitely internalize a lot of that myself. So I maybe from a perspective point of view, make the situation, uh, you know, maybe I can take some lessons from, you know, reframing rejection as misalignment. But in a lot of situations, I feel like I really do absorb a lot of negative energy or I internalize things for longer than what I should. And I just wanted to know in, in your opinion, do you have any actionable tips for in the moment or directly after going through something negative? What's best practice or things that are really effective to actually shake and detach from that energy? Because it's one thing to kind of process journal, reflect, work out how it feels for you. But I feel like sometimes that can really stick around, especially if you've had like a sticky situation with another person and it really like impacts you personally, maybe you're hurt. Um, What are your kind of thoughts on how we can really detach from negative energy that's holding us down? So I feel like it really depends on the situation. But one thing for sure I would say is to process the feeling that you're feeling, not suppress it or try to distract yourself, like process it. I am hurt because X, Y, and Z happened, or I am feeling 
negative because this situation went that way. And to allow yourself to sit with your feelings and to, to just let your feelings pass through. Now, it depends on the situation. If because, you know, we absorb negative energy from somewhere, like I'm the same. I don't, I cannot be in malls or crowded places. And when I do, I come home and I feel extremely drained. So what I like to mm. do is I like to have a mini dance session just moving my body and like shaking and I let feel that like energy that energy flow <laughs> exactly I feel like I let that energy flow and I replace whatever it is that was in there with my own life force energy you know um but if I got really hurt by a friend let's say or I was in a situation that was really hurtful then in that situation yes definitely process my feelings and allow myself to feel it and then ask myself what do I need of myself right now I feel like that's such an important question to ask because you know what you need more than anybody else and to honor those needs and desires. And that could be, I just want to cuddle up on the couch for the next hour and chill. And that's what my body needs and that's okay. Or it could be, you know what? Yeah, I felt it, but now I want to shift myself out of it. And that's when we can use the many tools that we've mentioned, moving our body, meditation, journaling, visualization, or music to shift ourselves from one state to the other. Beautiful advice. And uh, my biggest takeaway there, I suppose, is it's really like two-tiered in a way. It's it's a question of, okay, have do I need to process or do I need to kind of let go and move on? And mm-hmm. I feel like if you jump straight to the letting go and moving on and you're meditating and, and doing all the things but you still have processing to do, then that's when it may not work. You may find yourself stuck or not being able to shake that energy. So I like kind of separating that in in that regard and I mean I I guess you could do them in tandem as well but using the signal of oh I still am thinking about the situation or I still feel negative about it as a sign that you probably have more processing to do Um, I think that's all really beautiful advice and a a great place to wrap up our conversation I think I'm going to have to get you back on the podcast in another year or so because there's a lot that we haven't covered and um yeah I just I'm really relating to the work you're doing and your mission and I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today because I know our listeners would have gotten so much out of our chat so firstly thank you and secondly, if people want to connect with you, follow along your journey, uh, where's the best place I can do so? And I'll pop some links in the show notes. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure speaking with you and being on your po- podcast. And I would be honored to be on it in a year or so. Um, and in terms of people connecting with me, they can find me on Instagram. That is where I'm most active. Um, and it is at Inner Butterfly um, in Instagram. Perfect. I will, I will just add as well, one of my like universe signs, uh, and I mean, this is only all very recent to me. The more spiritual side of me has only really come out in the last two years, but butterflies is one of my signs. And so when I you know, saw your content and then saw your IG name, I was like, this girl's definitely got to come on the show. Like it's a no brainer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com